Welcome to the Jeffers Brief, only on Contra Radio Network. Welcome back, Intelligentsia. I'm your host, Jeffers. Welcome. Today, this week, let's do a little talking here. We got some things to cover, many things actually. So let's get to it, shall we? Has it escaped anyone's attention that the FBI just couldn't seem to find the peaceful protesters? who were busy firebombing the federal courthouses in Seattle and Portland last summer. But the speed of rounding up the insurrectionist was done very quickly, save the identity of Ashley Babbitt's murderer. Kind of makes you wonder about the FBI. Yes, they are a shadow of integrity that they used to be. It's just the way it is, my friends. Now, few preppers out there, I want to talk to you about this. Some of you are new to this because a year ago there was food shortages and I still don't understand why toilet paper was in short supply, but that's another story. Let's talk about how many of you have decided I'm never, ever, ever going to get stuck in that position ever again. Or at least you're going to try to mitigate if it does happen again. That is, you become new preppers. Those of you who thought prepping was crazy don't think so anymore, and you've been quietly putting stuff aside. But your spouse isn't quite on board with this. And I was looking into it, I said, you know what? We've talked about this before on this show, way back when we started. Because I got to tell you, my spouse thought I was kind of out there. And I said, trust me on this. It doesn't have to be crazy. But when we're short something and we can't obtain it, you're going to be glad that I put it aside. And I got the, okay, type of, you know, the rolling of the eyes and all the other crap that goes with it. However, you go talk to your family members and your other family members, such as maybe your mom and dad, your brother, sister, maybe close friends, sit there and go, yeah, right. It's not going to happen again. And of course, you get the rolling of the eyes. Oh, here we go again type look. You know what? Maybe they've changed their minds, but you know as well as I do, human nature says, oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. It won't happen again. Well, guess what? It could. It really could. So I ran, I was looking around and I found this thing. It's called More Than Just Surviving. It was, uh, yeah, that's what it's called, morethanjustsurviving.com. And they and Elise Xavier put this out a couple of years ago on uh, in 2017 before we had the big, uh-oh, 
no more rice or pasta on the shelf. Uh, there's still a way you can go about prepping. It doesn't involve you lying to them, and I would never advise you to do this. Two, it doesn't involve them thinking you're crazy. We're not going for completely normal here, but quirky or has an odd hobby will definitely do. And doesn't involve them getting mad about the allocation of finances to prepping. Those are really the three big issues you need to tackle. If you got a spouse who is not a prepper or doesn't understand why the hell anyone would want to be and hates the fact that money is disappearing someplace they don't particularly approve of. So here are some tips for you. And let's start with how to make sure you're not lying to your spouse about prepping. Number one, don't pretend you're not prepping when you are. Likely, your default way of dealing with a non-prepper spouse who dislikes the idea of you being a prepper is to continue to prep, but without ever telling him or her about your prepping. Don't do this. Have some sort of discussion with him or her about preparedness. And I said him or her. And the reason is this. A third of our audience here are females. There's a good chance they're probably married. So yeah, we're going to include the women as preppers. By the way, you women preppers out there are more detail-oriented than the men preppers. Just put, Just telling you. All right, so number two, don't hide the fact that you're using family money to prep. Just don't. I mean, it's not worth it at all. Money is the number one reason couples fight. We all know this. So don't make your life harder by getting into a situation where you're basically setting yourself up for a really, really big fight. You don't need to. You know, there's a better way to do things than to prep using family money in secret. Of course, that's to make sure that your spouse is okay with the money you're spending on preps. This will need to come about slowly through compromise and through a lot of back and forth, but we'll get back, but we're gonna touch on that, all right? All right, <clears throat> and look at this, excuse me. This is also true. You know, let's talk about how to make your prepping behavior seem less insane to a non-prepper. Do not go full tilt into the prepper talk. Don't talk about the end of the world as we know it situations. Again, just don't. Normal people do not like thinking about the end of the world. Normal people do not think it's realistic. Remember, this was written in 2017. And I don't care if you all be completely open and honest with your spouse about prepping and your beliefs that an EMP or solar flare will cause a Tiawaki situation. You can get to that point of honesty and openness eventually, but you have to work your way up to that level. If you haven't spoken about these kinds of end-of-the-world situations with your spouse because you're worried about how it would come off, you had the right gut intuition. Don't do it yet. Test the waters with something more normal to prep for. Job loss, natural disasters, etc. And then work your way up to what normal people consider to be crazy. If, if you have gone full tilt prepper to your walkie talk before in your spouse and this is just why you're having problems, stop now. It could be fixed. Nothing is beyond hope. 
Just censor yourself. But it's for your own good. You can't just expect your spouse to be okay with something they're fundamentally not empathetic to overnight. Cut out into the world talk completely starting today. Well, until when, you ask. When is it okay to talk about again? When they ask about your Tiawaki beliefs, if they ever do? Other than that, go talk to someone who's actually as interested in prepping as, as, you, know, as you are in it. Sign up for a forum. Email me. Call the show. Whatever you like. Just from now on, treat prepping like some miniature collection hobby that no one in real life wants to hear you drone on about. Find like-minded people to chat about it online and leave your family alone about it. They'll be so much happier and you'll have a much easier time converting them to be okay with you prepping. So, like I said, hobbies... This puts it right into your my you know the next point and this is this. This is how you do it, okay, my friends. Explain away prepping by saying, "Oh, it's just a hobby." Yes, hundred percent on your side when it comes to seeing prepping as not at all like a hobby. I firmly believe it is a lifestyle and not a, and not a hobby at all. But if you're trying to get people in your life to be okay with what you're doing, something extremely weird in their eyes, the absolute best way to do this is by chalking your behaviors and passions down to a simple hobby. Now, why would this work? I'm going to tell you why. People let a lot of things slide when they can be chalked down to the quirks of hobbyists. You see, many people complain that collectors are hoarders. Eh, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. Let's say you collect model airplanes, old guitars, antique furniture. My uh, recently passed father-in-law collected antique farm tractors the estate now has 62 antique farm tractors that we have to auction off or sell or whatever we got to do 62 of them yeah like i said so getting back to it even if so much of your house is drowning in them you are not crazy you're just eccentric be eccentric there's nothing wrong with eccentric. Better than crazy, you can't recover easily from crazy. Conversely, you can go so far as to win people over with weird and quirky. Which brings us to our next link. How do you do it? At first, you talk about the smallest emergencies you could possibly think of. The power went out for three hours? Shoot. What happens if it goes out for a whole day? We should make sure we have a backup generator so the food in the fridge doesn't spoil. It's too expensive to let it go to waste. Oh. oh, no, what happens if the power goes out in the winter? We really need to get more warm things. Our blankets aren't warm enough to keep us cozy if the power goes out. Can I get some warmer ones? Is that okay? Literally, the smallest emergencies. Things they cannot doubt may, may happen. Now, next step, how slowly as you possibly can muster, start increasing the size of those emergencies and introducing the concern over slightly bigger shit-hits-the-fan situations happening. If you don't like adult language, by all means, as my good friend 
Mark Boyle would say, go back to your parents' basement. This is for adults. Adults can handle language. They may not like it, but they can handle it. And then I'm starting to get mission creep into another area. I'll stop that right there. Now, back to it. Did you know that one winter, the weather was really bad in Toronto and they had a power outage, lasted five days? I'm kind of worried something like that could happen here. I think I'm going to grab some of those portable stoves and some gas for it. So if the, even if the power goes out, we could at least still warm up some soup or something. Oh. They've been talking about layoffs at my friend's work, and I'm really worried something like this could happen to us. What would we do if we lost your job and it took a little while to find another one? Can we start saving money so that in case it ever happens, we'd be okay for at least a month or two? I don't want to have to ask friends or family for help. Oh, self-sufficiency. Take the prepper talk one small step at a time. You should be prioritizing smaller emergencies when prepping anyways. And ones more likely to happen locally, like uh, natural disasters. You live in Tornado Alley, you know what happens every spring. Star, you know, you see the storm coming, really dark clouds. Next thing you know, tornado sirens going off every year. Again, one's more likely to happen locally. Now, as those are the most likely places, you know, to start with it, okay? And that's what's more likely to take place, which may happen. If something has happened in your area or to your group of friends and family before, chances are your spouse will be more likely to see them as rational reasons for worry and thus prep for. Now, questions about your, the end of the world as we know it, the Tiawaki beliefs. Tread carefully, answer honestly, but make sure you sound as rational as possible. One night you're watching TV together on the couch and out of the blue, do you th really think something like The Walking Dead could happen? This is your opportunity, your moment to shine, except be very, be really careful. My friends, this is a true story. True story alert. Who remembers the hurricane that hit New York? The Obama administration, they called it, it's Superstorm Sandy. Well, yeah, it's called a hurricane, you morons. But anyways, regardless, here we are, you know, 40 miles north of Chicago, storms wiping out New York, New Jersey, and uh, watch on TV. Now, I've been prepping. The wife knows it. All of a sudden, she looks over at me and says, and I remember this because they were showing the water just gushing down into the subway system. She says, do we have enough food or water? What? I'm thinking to myself, did she just ask that? Yes, dear, we do. Next question out of her mouth was, do we have medical supplies? Yes. Yes, we do. But we can use some more. Okay, I want you to order some up tomorrow. Yeah, that really happened. That's true. She gets it now, especially after last year. She gets it. Some of our prep supplies came in handy. Imagine that. But anyways, 
So instead of belting out something like, yes, that's totally possible, of course, try containing your excitement and having been finally asked a cool prepper question and answer something along the lines of this instead. Uh, yes, Senator, it's possible. Unlikely, of course, but we have absolutely no idea what kinds of diseases could come our way. We don't even know how to cure cancer as well as many other diseases we've had for thousands of years. If something like a zombie disease came about, I don't think we'd be able to figure out a cure quickly. And I don't think we'd deal with it too well. There you go. So you see what I'm saying? You know, in my mind, she said that I felt like it was a little girl in the exorcist. My head was doing a 360. Really? You know. So you can see where I'm going with this, right? It's not about what you say. For example, I believe this is possible. It's how you explain it. The biggest question, and I don't know how it is around the world, but I know here in the United States, the biggest questions Americans always ask is, why? And therefore, you better have an answer. So three important steps in making sure you sound as compelling as possible without going over the edge. Always explain that you know the probability of something extreme taking place is low. Always explain exactly why you think a specific situation may, may be possible. Don't just leave it at, yes, it's possible. Number three, do not get defensive. Do not be aggressive about your beliefs. You catch more flies with honey than vinegar. And your spouse is most certainly a fly you want to catch. So, let's continue. Now, shouldn't how, let's talk about how to get your spouse to be okay with you spending the money on the preps. Because this is an important part here. It shouldn't be as hard to do as you currently may feel it is. Now, that being said... You have to lower your expectations because it's highly unlikely your spouse is going to be happy with doing everything you want to do from a preparedness standpoint. That's okay. You take what you can get, especially at first, and you can build from anything at that point. So, for you new people out there, what should I get? Let's do simple things first. Water, food. More water than food because you can live longer without food water is a whole different story all right that's a tip for you youngsters out there starting to sound like steve stone all right so let's make sure to recommend inexpensive items inexpensive items inexpensive items as solutions to the emergency situations you're thinking about don't say you want a bunker don't say you want gas masks or solar panels. That mean you can live off the grid. Those are expensive items, and many preppers who have spouses who are fine with them prepping still wouldn't be able to get their spouses to agree to purchase these because of how much they cost. My friends, if you're starting out, go to the dollar store. You heard me. Dollar General, Family Dollar, Dollar Tree, whatever you got near you, Okay. Like I said, start with water, start with food, build from there. Oh, 
By the way, um, yes, you can find gas masks for sale online. Most of them are used military surplus. You can also buy brand new. It's up to you, whatever you know you choose. Make sure you get the proper filters for them. Now, there are many ways to keep costs down when prepping. So buy gear when it's on sale. Buy an inexpensive kit that's well worth the money. Buy your survival food from a grocery store when there are good deals running. Keep those expenses down. My friends, now I, look, I've seen them and so have you. Go a little bit off track here. You see, buy the dehydrated food kits. It's got this, this, and this to it. Before you just buy the kit, see what's included in that food survival kit. Many times it's just going to be cereal and soup. No, you can do better than that. I personally stay away from those. I have bought two of those kits just because they're cereal, mostly cereal, mostly soup, and maybe, you know, some side dishes and crap. But I just got two of those. Just, you know, it's there. That is not, not the bulk of what I've got. Number two, you got to do your best to recommend items that you can use for purposes besides prepping. So bring up these alternate purposes as luxuries worth having. Some things play well into this. For example, a gas or charcoal barbecue. I don't like cooking gas barbecue, uh, the, the gas barbecue. And I'll tell you why. If I want to cook with gas, I'll go, I'll just use the kitchen. I use charcoal. Now, you know, I want a barbecue in case, you know, this is, this is what you say. I want a barbecue in case you want to be able to cook at the power's out, but also because I think it'd be nice to host some barbecues from our friends in the summer. Perfectly legitimate. A matter of fact, it's March. I got snow on the ground still. There's still ice. I was barbecuing last week and the week before that. You know why? Because I like it. All right. How about sub-zero degree sleeping bags in a tent? Here you go. This is how you phrase it. I think sleeping bags and tents are handy items to have around in case there's an emergency, but also I want to camp more with you guys, and it's uncomfortable to do that without good camp gear like that. That's true. Fortunately, I've got an RV. i got a travel trailer. Well, I kind of took it out for me, but it could work for you. How about a mountain bike? I want to invest in a good bicycle because they're really good in case gas prices skyrocket for some reason, like you know, maybe Biden gets elected. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> but I also want to exercise more, and that's cheaper than buying a gym membership. That's true. How about this? Waterproof matches and a wet fire tender. Here's how you phrase it. I want to grab fire starting tools because these would come in handy if there ever happened to be a power outage in the winter. But they're also great for using to start campfires or forest fires if you're in California and keeping barbecues going in the summer. Well, there you go. Number three, make sure the overall amount you're spending on prepping, prepping isn't very high. Now, make a list of inexpensive items to buy because you're going to buy tons of inexpensive items. 
the bill could still be very excessive at the end of the month or the year. So you want to be sure your spouse is cool with prepping over time. Don't break the bank. This isn't wise to do anyway. As you're a prepper, you should well, well know by now that not getting yourself into debt and having emergency funds are two of the most important preps you could ever possibly work on. Eh, I'm still kind of the food and water guy. But I'm not saying that going broke over it is on the bottom of the list. you got to be smart about it. You're a prepper. Be smart about it. So don't dip into the savings for gear or to increase your stockpile. Every month, every time you get paid, put a little bit of money aside, go to the dollar store. You'd be surprised the kind of stuff they have there. Everything from first aid supplies. How about this? Here are three things you'll need. You can get them cheap. Tylenol or ibuprofen, maybe both of those. How about, uh, how about athlete's foot powder or spray? Hmm? How about baby wipes? You're saying, why do we need baby wipes? I got toilet paper. Okay. I'll tell you what, my friend. Why don't you uh, go around carrying those big 12 big rolls of toilet paper around with you? Huh? Yeah, that, that that's real easy to conceal, isn't it? However... Baby wipes have two purposes, my new prepper friends. One, you can clean up with them, and then you put them in a Ziploc bag, zip, and then when you decide to go defecate, you could use it to wipe your ass. Dual purpose, and there's no expiration date on it. Number four, I know, thank you, you're quite welcome. So ask your spouse how much they are okay with spending on prepping. Remember, it's your hobby a month, and then you stick to that figure, guys. You got to stick. Guys and guys, if you put down a number, you really got to stick around that number. You can't go over it a lot or very much, but you can always go down a little bit and say, look, honey, I got this, and we still have a little bit of money left over. There you go. You see how it works? So you got to build trust with your spouse. It's important for your relationship, and it's important for your peace of mind. Ask what your spouse is okay with and make sure you stick to that. Or spend considerably less some months and garner a few extra brownie points. Your spouse is probably okay with you spending some money on prepping. You can frame it as, you know, this is my spoil myself money or and that I use on my hobby. Imagine if you had a music hobby. That would be quite expensive considering how much musical instruments usually run. There should be a reasonable financial comparison. All right. How about this? Ask your spouse if he or she is okay with getting a part-time job and using the money from that to fund your preps. You can get a side gig like babysitting, tutoring, or get an actual part-time job and use the money from that fund for preparedness. Even if your spouse isn't okay with using all the extra money you're making on preps, Ask if you can use half or three-quarters of the extra money on your prepping. And this is it, guys. Compromise. Ladies, guys, compromise. You're in a relationship, remember? If your spouse doesn't like the idea of buying something you really want for your preps, offer something else as an alternative that he or she may be okay with. Usually it's just a matter of the thing you wanted being too expensive. That's going to be true. 
So if you offer a much cheaper alternative, chances are your significant other will be a lot more okay with you going out and purchasing that than your original expensive option. Again, you can prep and buy gear on the cheap. Don't think that just because your spouse doesn't approve of you prepping that you're the only one not able to buy everything you wanted related to prepping. Most preppers, majority, vast majority of the preppers have tight budgets, tight budgets that they have to stick to. And they have to build stockpiles within that tight budget, whether or not their spouses approve of their prepping. That's just reality, folks. It's not like we're the U.S. government where we just print money and spend it because, well, we got a printing press, let's do it. We, reality says otherwise. You got X amount of money, that's the way it is, boys and girls. So, how about this? How about do as much free prepping as possible? So we follow these steps here to stockpile items for free or next to nothing. If you're hardly spending a cent, I doubt your significant other will care that you're prepping. You may want him or her to be happy about your preps, but let's be honest, being indifferent because they don't mind is one heck of a lot better than fighting about it. So, if you're looking for an expensive survival gear to buff up your prepper stockpile, why don't we look at different price points? You got five, 10, 15, 20, $25 price points, okay? For example, you can also find some great sales at outdoor retailers like Cabela's, REI, Patagonia, wherever. Take a look at some of the uh, massive knife and outdoor retailer sales, deals, clearance pages. Do quick comparisons of the discounts currently available on the web. I found a lot of really good uh, prepper stuff on eBay. Look in the Militaria collection. You'll find it there. Or sometimes just put in prepping. You'd be surprised what you find there. So, if you're a prepper who has a spouse that isn't a prepper, have you gotten them to the point where they're okay with prepping? Have you, any of you managed to convert those in your lives to becoming preppers as well? Help out your friends. Oh, so there you go, my friends. That's really what I wanted to talk about today with the prepping. But there's others. There are others, my friends. Now, for others, we have this little thing from Trending Politics. The Democrats have snuck $1 billion for racial justice in the farming section of the COVID bill. Now, what does racial justice have to do with the COVID relief? <laughs> I haven't a clue. I can't answer it. To me, the way I see it, it has nothing to do with that. Oh. So. Now, much of the... Uh, Let's talk. To be clear now, the COVID relief package is a little more than a gigantic giveaway to special interests that are loyal to the Democrats and bailouts for mismanaged blue states. And the House approved their version of the bill in the early hours of Saturday morning, cynically choosing to keep it outside of the American people and to hide Republican opposition 
to what will be a budget-busting boondoggle of epic biblical proportions. Now the bills head to the Senate. Much of the contents will be ignored by the media or cloaked in the guise of racial justice. One of these is the use of $1 billion in taxpayer, uh, taxpayer money for the advancement of racial justice in farming. Now that is a scam that was championed by failed presidential candidate Cory Spartacus Booker. Well, it's only a small part of the staggering $1.9 million that will be doled out, much to Democratic allies. GOP researchers are seeking to draw attention to the provision which was included in the three-page memo detailing liberal goodies stuffed into a bill, and a copy of which was, was obtained by Fox News, but then again, I don't watch Fox News anymore. But according to Trending Politics, among the provisions of raising eyebrows among the conservatives are $1,400 stimulus checks going to mixed status families with undocumented immigrants allowing Planned Parenthood to receive Paycheck Protection Program funds designed to keep small businesses afloat, and nearly $600 million for additional emergency paid family leave for federal employees and the U.S. Postal Service workers, according to the RSC memo. The bill is slated to go to the House Budget Committee on Monday, and both House Democrats and Biden hope the relief legislation passes through quickly, given that Democrats have a sizable majority in the House. Eh, I don't know if it's sizable, but it's there. The Senate will be trickier. In order to pass the bill, the Democrats' slim majority, just one vote being the blind to the tirebreaker, Vice President Kamala Roundhills Harris. Democrats are likely to use reconciliation, a procedural shortcut that allows Congress to approve a budget-related bill with 51 votes. Now, among the more controversial items, though, is the $1 billion handout to socially disadvantaged farmers. I said that, yes. To socially disadvantaged farmers defined Fox News reports as those farmers who are part of a group that have been discriminated against because of their race or ethnicity. The memo points out that Democrats are prioritizing funding based on identity politics while ignoring rural businesses and communities. The ability of the Democrats to wrap their entire radical agenda in the inflammatory context of race is downright diabolical in saner times, and it would have been denounced as dishonest and divisive, but they have struck political gold as a strategy, and they aren't about to stop now. Well, it's true. Now, as we all know, yesterday, Governor of Texas, Governor of Mississippi, said we are opening up our state 100%. So let's talk about the coronavirus five. You're thinking, you're saying, John, what are the coronavirus five? These model Democratic governors are now facing political disaster. The news media lied. They lied from the very beginning about the success of lockdowns, which there is no international or state level data to support. They lied about mask mandates, which similarly has no data to support. It lied about virtually everything related to the coronavirus. By the way, my friends, if you're wearing the mask, because you have to, you know, 
if you're not wearing that mask properly, that is, if it does have a snug fit, it's really not helping you. Specifically, I've seen it too many times, and so have you. First of all, we got the mask here. Hey, the virus won't go in my nose. Okay. Or do you have it on? Now, this little space between your nose and the beginning of your cheek, right along this area, right in the right in here. That if it's not sealed, if there's no barrier there, guess what? It ain't doing you no good. That's why if you wear a gas mask, a true gas mask, it's her, you are sealed rubber from here to here. It's a good tight fit. Well, a snug fit. So there's no leaks. And the, and the truth is this, my friends. If you're wearing any type of a mask, well, I'm wearing the surgical mask. Well, guess what? The surgical mask really isn't for airborne stuff. It's so that way when the surgeon is cutting open your carcass, and you splurt, guess what? Your blood starts spraying. He doesn't have to fucking wipe it off his lips or wipe it off his face. He's got stuff there to keep it there. It's mostly for liquids. Blood, spittle, if you're a dental hygienist. Oh, and this is my favorite one too, the new one, the mask. I got the mask right here. It comes right down here and it stops here. Well, the virus will never get under here. And I'm still waiting for someone, anyone to explain to me. If we're dealing with a virus as a survival a survival rate, a recovery rate of better than 94%, why do we need a vaccine? Oh, and it's not a once-in-a-lifetime vaccine. This is a vaccine that we're going to have to get every year. It's just the way it is, folks. It's going to be like the flu. Oops, the flu. What's the flu? It's been solved. By what? By the coronavirus. So, my friends... There you go. There it is. There you have it. Let me get back to it. So on top of it all, they lied about the Democratic governors that America was supposed to follow, and all for purely political reasons. This much is becoming readily apparent to millions of Americans. When it is this blatant that the news media unfailingly supports Democrats, regardless of their claims, vilifies Republicans, regardless of whether or not their policies are good for Americans, you get the right to call people liars. By the way, my friends, isn't it interesting? Biden and Harris are in office, and they're saying, you got to take the vaccine. You got to take it. Come on, man, take the vaccine. During the campaign, how many times did we hear Biden and Harris sit there and say, oh, you don't, be, don't, don't I would be taking that vaccine. It, it's being developed too fast. It's a Trump vaccine. I wouldn't trust it. And then they wonder why nobody would take the vaccine. Americans are notorious for their short memories. Don't believe me? Go back. Watch the debates. Especially the vice presidential debate. When goofy Kamala Harris is sitting there cackling throughout, throughout the thing. Why she's cackling, I don't have a clue. But she's the one that said it. Oh, we can't do it. And they kept saying it on the press conferences. The media picked it up. Oh, it's a Trump vaccine. It's been rushed. You can't trust. You can't trust it. So back to it. Journalists are supposed to be professional researchers, and yet they routinely and almost unwaveringly fail to hold Democratic politicians accountable. 
But when millions of Americans were suffering, when tens of thousands were losing their businesses and their life streams were being shattered, when their children were being shut off schools and everyday life, the news media did not care one bit if their alarmism was backed by actual scientific data. Nope. There were restrictive and destructive blue state lockdowns. And to unquestionably support, all evidence to the contrary be damned. The spectacular collapse of five of the left-wing media's darling governors should give every American pause whether to trust the charlatans who spoon-fed us these lies ever again. Let's start with Andy Cuomo. One half of the Cuomo Brothers Comedy Hour on CNN. Now, Cuomo once made the remarkable admission that may prove to be his administration's epitaph. Incompetent government kills people. Okay. 15,000 deaths are now understood to be directly tied to Cuomo's disastrous executive order in March, a year ago, that mandated that nursing home residents that tested positive for coronavirus at medical facilities be returned to nursing homes despite that population's extremely high vulnerability to the virus. Indeed, Cuomo was seeking to avoid the revealing the true nursing home mortality data, which showed that deaths were 40% higher than were reported because it might, it might be exposed by the Trump administration. In a conference call whose contents were leaked to the press, Cuomo referred to President Trump's pressure on the governor, according to Secretary to the Governor Melissa DeRosa, quote, He starts tweeting that we killed everyone in nursing homes, DeRosa said. He starts going after New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, starts going after California Governor Gavin Newsom, starts going, at, going after Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Cuomo is now under heavy fire from the left, but not for killing thousands of nursing home residents unnecessarily with his deadly decree. It is because he has been accused another time of alleged sexual harassment, much like Speaker Pelosi with her 9-11 style commission to investigate the Capitol riots. Cuomo has appointed, appointed an independent investigation into the allegations. Governor Cuomo has selected former federal judge Barbara Jones to conduct an independent investigation into sexual harassment allegations made against him. The Guardian has reported she was appointed by Bill Clinton and once worked with Stephen Cohn, Governor Cuomo's top advisor. Yeah, I'm sure she'll be fair and impartial. Not! Let's talk about Gretchen Whitmer. Michigan legislature, I hold you responsible for letting her do what she did and not holding her accountable. Now, she has been one of the most heavy-handed and arbitrary governors of the United States when it comes to handling the coronavirus pandemic. Now, Republican state legislators of Michigan are calling for an investigation to Whitmer's handling of nursing homes based on a similar decree uh, like Cuomo's. Governor Whitmer's reasonable hub policy placed patients with and without COVID-19 in the same facilities and may have exacerbated the death toll in those facilities, the statement read. Whitmer's policy had been so disastrous for the Wolverine state that bordering Indiana business owners branded her Indiana Business Person of the Year. Ah, oh, Governor Gavin Newsom, Speaker Pelosi's nephew. He was supposed to be a golden boy but he's lost his shine as the pandemic wore on. One of the earliest states to lock down, the policies proved to be utterly futile, 
but extremely costly for millions of Californians. So in November, Newsom was infamously exposed for his utter hypocrisy attending a private dinner party after telling Californians to not even dare think about doing such a thing. And more recently, Newsom is facing a backlash over yet another private event in a state where indoor dining is banned. Their nerve is that it is okay because everyone is wearing masks. No. Newsom is facing a recall effort that has over 1.5 million signatures, but due to the state of California suddenly kicking into overdrive to remove as many signatures as possible, it will likely take more effort to put over the top. And then we got Phil Murphy. New Jersey has been the worst managed state in the United States when it comes to COVID response, barely edging out Cuomo's New York. And one of the reasons is yet another disaster in nursing home order. So in August, the Department of Justice had issued a request to four states that had issued orders that senior residents be returned to nursing homes. Now that request of COVID-19 data from the governors of states that issue orders, which may have resulted in the deaths of thousands of elderly nursing home residents, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Michigan required nursing homes to admit COVID-19 patients to their vulnerable populations, often without adequate testing. A petition is calling for the New Jersey governor to be investigated. More than 7,300 residents of New Jersey's nursing homes, veterans' homes, and long-term care facilities have died from COVID-19, the petition states. Nearly half of the state's coronavirus deaths have occurred among these vulnerable populations. And whistleblowers have hinted that dangerous policy directives, misrepresented data, and arbitrary decision-making by the Murphy administration contributed to a wildfire of infection and death in these facilities that could have been prevented. And next we have Tom Wolf. The governor of Pennsylvania is also guilty of issuing a deadly nursing home order. So following New York State legislators' calls for investigation into nursing home deaths, Pennsylvania GOP members are requesting an investigation to Governor Tom Wolf's policies that again sent COVID-19 positive residents back into the nursing and personal home care facilities, WETM has reported. A letter sent to the state's Attorney General Shapiro states, the uh, Pennsylvania Department of Health indicates more than half of the COVID-19 related deaths in Pennsylvania have been attributed to nursing and personal home care populations. Over 12,000 deaths have been reported at long-term care facilities out of the 23,413 deaths the report notes. The implosion of these Democrat governors' public image should serve as a warning to the American people about the mainstream media. Beware of anyone that the media excessively lionizes just as much as whomever they vilify. There it is. That's what I have to talk about this week, my friends. Want to say thank you for listening in. I appreciate it. I know we're a little bit longer. Don't forget to listen to Dave Kreshner's show. He's starting to build up stuff. He's got a really interesting show coming up. And I think you'll like it. So check it out. Until next time, I'm John Jeffers here on the Jeffers Brief on the Contra Radio Network. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out john-jeffers.com. Thanks. We'll talk to you next week.